Thank you for joining us for this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Evening once again. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, go to Joshua chapter 4. Again, Joshua chapter 4. For those of you who have come in late to our service, uh, I will go ahead and repeat what I said earlier. If you are at your phone or your computer or your tablet, somewhere that you can type into the comments, if you would, just type in a number of how many is represented. Uh, how many in your house or on your device watching our services tonight so that we can get some idea of uh, we're trying to come up with an average of what each uh, view represents so that we can have a better understanding or idea of how many people are engaging us online. Um, so I've got a preacher story and I was telling Neil earlier and he promised he would laugh at my preacher story. It's kind of hard to tell a preacher story with no one in the room with you. Otherwise, it's it's just kind of a, a not-so-funny story, maybe. But I'm going to share with you this story because it, it goes in with... It's one of my favorite preacher stories um, that, that I've ever come across. But anyway, it says, An 80-year-old com- couple were having problems remembering things. Some of you may be able to relate to that. I'm not 80 years old, and I forget things all the time. So they decided to go to their doctor to get checked out to make sure nothing was wrong with them. When they arrived at the doctor, they explained to the doctor about the problems they were having with their memory. After checking the couple out, the doctor tells them that they were physically okay, but might want to start writing things down and make notes to help them remember things. The couple thanked the doctor and they left. Later that night, while watching TV, the old man got up from his chair and his wife asked, where are you going? He replies to the kitchen. She said, well, then will you get me a bowl of ice cream? I sure will, honey. She then asked him, don't you think you need to write that down so you won't forget? He said, surely I can remember to get you a bowl of ice cream. She said, well, maybe you should write down that I would like strawberries as well. I can remember that, a bowl of ice cream and strawberries. And don't forget, I want whipped cream as well. He said, I can remember that, a bowl of ice cream, strawberries, and whipped cream. She goes, well, if you can remember it, don't worry about writing it down. After 20 minutes in the kitchen, he returns with a plate of bacon and eggs, and he shares with his wife, at which point she looks at him and says, I knew you would mess this up. He said, what have I done wrong? She said, you forgot my toast. I'm just imagining all of you, all of you laughing with me right now. But the reason I tell that story tonight is because remembering things in our lives are so important. They're so important. Uh, remembering things and setting up maybe mental memorials and different things in our mind that we remember great moments. It is so important to to just having great and positive memories. But when we think about it from a spiritual perspective, from a spiritual perspective, uh, one of the things that I like to do just in conversation with people as I'm getting to know people is talk to them about their spiritual life and their spiritual moments. And I love to ask questions um, about, you know, when was the first time that God really became real to you? When, when, what are some experiences that you've had with God and say, hey, look, you know, God is, God has worked this particular thing in my life and I don't want to forget it. Those stories are always amazing. And, and with that in mind, I want to ask you a question tonight. How do you commemorate those memories? How do you preserve them? How do you remember them so that later on in your life, 
you can celebrate those things. Some people, and this is something that I do, maybe not as often as I should, but from time to time I go through spells where I like to journal about different things. And when great things happen, I I write those things down. I've got a prayer journal that I used for a couple of years that's got a really fun, and I'll show it to you sometime, a really fun memory of when Blair told me that she was pregnant with Britain in it. And so I'm able to go back and relive that moment because it's recorded in my journal. How do you remember those things in your life? In our culture, there are a variety of ways of keeping memories alive. We have statues and monuments and museums. We have family lineages that are worked out in great detail. On a more personal level, we have personal mementos. Maybe we have a teapot that belonged to a grandmother or a hammer that belonged to a great granddad. Maybe it's a pocket watch. And we have photos too that keep all these great memories from the past alive. Why do we do this? Why are people flocking to sites like Ancestry.com? Why are people so intrigued with getting their DNA samples sent in so that they can see their genealogy and their heritage? Why such a huge interest in in antiques? Why do we care so much about what happened in the past? Is it casual interest or just nostalgia? Or is there something deeper to it? I believe there's something deeper. I believe we look to the past in order to understand who we are in the present and what that may mean for our future even. We look to the past to discover where we came from, which helps us understand why some things that we do are so important and why we react certain ways in certain situations, why we have fears and why we have dreams. Now, I'm not necessarily a determinist, as some people might call it, I don't believe that our past always dictates dictates our future. On the contrary, I believe our future can be changed. I believe we can grow. I believe in the ability of becoming more than we already are. That is the whole point of a relationship with God, is to become more than you are in this moment for your future. But now as we think to the Jewish people, the Jewish people have always had a phenomenal sense of memory and remembering things in certain ways. They have a strong tie to their past, even to this day. And we see this played out all throughout the Old Testament. And as we look at our story tonight in Joshua chapter 4, we're going to see another one of these moments where they create a monument to, to remember a great moment in their life, in their history, and in their relationship with God. Now, We're not going to read all of chapter 4 tonight. We're going to read some sections of it because it really, it's a rather long story and this kind of condenses it down to the most important parts that we'll talk about a little bit later. So let's start in our text. We'll start in chapter 4, verse 1 and read through verse 11 to start with. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, And tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you're staying tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, 
according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the dark, uh, before the ark, rather, of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are there to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did just as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to the camp where they put them down. Joshua set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now the priest who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded had commanded Joshua was done by the people. Just as Moses had directed Joshua, the people hurried over. And as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. Let's jump down to verse 15. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the ark of the covenant and the law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had their feet hit the dry ground than the water of the Jordan returned to its place and ran at flood stages before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. Then jump to verse 24. He did this so all the people of the earth might know that the Lord, or that the hand of the Lord, is powerful, and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. What a great and awesome story. Chapter 3 and chapter 4 are really just one continual story of this moment. And in chapter 3, we have the story of the Israelites crossing the Jordan River. After 40 years of wandering, they're finally fixing to enter into the promised land, this land that Abraham had been promised to Abraham, that Moses had led them through to get to this point. We saw in chapter 3, though, as they're crossing the Jordan, that it very much parallels the story of the Red Sea. As, as the far as the ark leading the way, the waters reciting, this is their Red Sea moment. You got to remember that these, this generation never saw the Red Sea. This generation never saw the Red Sea. But in its simplest form, the message of chapter 4 that we read tonight is that we must mark the miracles of God in our memory and pass those memories along to the next generation. Now, I just want to share with you some, some short thoughts tonight. This is not going to be the longest sermon you've ever heard me preach. And that might be okay with some of you, I don't know. But I want us to talk for just a few minutes about the importance of spiritual milestones in our life. In the middle of chapter 3, there's a strange verse, which seems to have nothing to do with the story. If you're just reading this chapter and you don't understand or don't know the rest of the story, it's verse 12, and out of nowhere... There's this mentioning of 12 men being chosen for something. It just kind of hangs there. But now in chapter 4, we find out what these 12 men are supposed to do. They are commanded to pick up a stone as they're crossing that's right there at the feet of, of, the, uh, of the, uh, the priest who were carrying the ark. And the number 12 is significant because it's one from each tribe, which makes up the entire nation. And it shows that everybody in the nation is represented. This story tales of their obedience and the command 
And the creation of this monument shows the unity of the Lord's people. And the important point is that in the midst of the miracle, God instructed His people to create a means by which this act, this significant moment, could be remembered for future generations. He commanded them to remember what had been done for the people in this moment. Which leads us to this question. How do we commemorate the mighty works of God in our own life? And I think that's an important question. How do we commemorate the mighty works of God in our own lives? I think it's important because I think we tend to forget very easily, just as our couple did at the beginning of our story. We marvel when God does something amazing, and we celebrate His presence and His power. And then the next difficult patch that comes up, we forget all of these great things that God has done for us. We even get to the point that we maybe even question, God, are you really even there? In the darkness, we start to doubt. And that's a natural thing. It's something that we should expect in our lives. Sometimes our spiritual journey it takes us through desert moments. It takes us through the dry and dusty, through the weary, through the moments of our life that we wonder, what is it really about? That's just part of our growth process, part of what it means to be human, even part of what it means to be a Christian sometimes. God frequently allows these moments, these desert experiences, so that we can grow closer to Him and emerge from these moments with a deeper understanding of who God is. But because we tend to forget easily, and because we know we can expect dry and difficult times in our spiritual lives, God gives us commands like this. He gives us commands like we find in Joshua chapter 4. He tells us to create spiritual memorials and to find ways to make those visible, to make permanent markers in our lives which testify to the truth and reality of who God is, of His power, to remind us that He cares about us, to remind us that He is real. He has proven Himself over and over to us. And when we see those, 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 those mementos, we can be reminded of that. So I just ask you a simple question tonight. How do you mark those moments in your life? Maybe you build a big pile of stones in your front yard. I don't know, but there are other ways. Maybe it's a picture that hangs on your wall that reminds you of a moment where God came through to you. Maybe it's something you draw. Maybe it's a recording that you hold on to. Maybe it's a letter that you receive from someone. I don't know. But what I want to challenge you with tonight, and it's very simple, and it's not very deep necessarily, and it's very short. I want to challenge you to start remembering significant moments with something visual. Now, not something that you worship, not an engraven image. That's not why I don't want anybody to misunderstand me here tonight. But I want you to do is I want you to do exactly what the people of Israel did. Create memorials, create moments that you can look back on or monuments that you can look back on and say, it may be difficult right now, but I can still trust in God. You know, I've got a few of those in my office. 
the very first one that I have was a gift from, I got a gift from this man named Jeff Vance. Jeff and his wife, Anne, were youth advisors when I was working in McMinnville. They had been uh, in McMinnville working with the youth group when Blair grew up there. They very much just kind of took our family under their wings uh, and supported everything that we did. And there's so much love for them to the point that that's who Vance is named after, Jeff and Anne. But at our wedding shower, uh, he gave me a picture of um, Fenway Park from the outfield bleachers, a panoramic picture uh, that he had taken a few years before. And that picture has hung in my office everywhere I've ever been since he gave it to me. And it is a reminder to me that no matter how difficult times may get in my ministry, there are always those people who love you and will go to battle with you. There's another monument, if you will, in, in my office. It's a, a it's on a frame. It's a stretched out t-shirt with uh, the signatures of uh, all the people that went on our first family retreat with us when we were in Kingston. And it was just such a mountaintop experience. Literally, we were on top of the mountain in North Carolina on this retreat. And it was just such a spiritual moment in my life that I felt so close to God and, and, and grew so close to these individuals that I didn't want to forget the bond in Christ that we have. I've also got a football. I've got a football um, that's got some of the men here, their names on it, from our very first men's event. And I wanted to remember that. I wanted to be able to look at that ball and see the names of those guys that came to our first men's event. And then years from now, look back and say, these guys were here from the beginning. I want to remember those things. Those are the type of things that I'm talking about. What type of things do you have in your life that remind you of the awesomeness of God? And how can you begin to create those things? The Israelites did an important thing in this passage. They preserved the memory of the power of God, which delivered them safely across the river. And we need to preserve those memories and the power of God as well. Let's close with a word of prayer tonight. God, I thank you so much for all that you give us, for all that you do for us. And it's easy to forget, God, sometimes those powerful things, those powerful moments, because Satan is so good at, at drawing our attention in different directions. And so, God, I just pray tonight that we become a church that makes it a point to commemorate the great things that, that happen with us as a church family and as individuals. Again, not as a way to worship things, but as a way to remember you and the, and, and the greatness and the mighty power that you have and the love and the mercy that you have. God, I pray for our church family as we are in a time of transition, as we are in a time of transition with leadership, of, of, of church gatherings, God. Thank you so much for the positiveness that I have heard from everybody that I have talked to in the last couple of weeks. I thank you for the heart of this church, for the love that has been shown during this time. God, it is just so great to be part of this family that even in times of difficulty, people can look to you and see the positives that are going on. I pray for our leaders. I pray for Danny and I pray for Ricky. I pray for our deacons, God. 
Please be with them as they continue to serve and lead us. I pray for our church family. May we grow in spirit and in truth, grow closer to you, and, and, and we pray that as we grow in truth, God, that we grow in number. Bless us in that way, God. Help us to make a difference in our community and to bring people closer to you so they can become your children. Bless us this week, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Tonight, we end with a thought of, of encouragement. I know that it's been good to be back with each other for the last couple of weeks, but we're still in a time of uncertainty. And in the times of uncertainty, we can definitely be challenged in our own spiritual walk. We can struggle. We can be drawn away because we're not constantly here together. And I just want you to know tonight that if you need anything, my door is open. My phone is on. I'm here for you. Our elders are here for you. And it doesn't have to be someone in leadership. James says, just confess your sins one to another. It doesn't have to be someone that's in charge of anything. It can just be a brother or a sister that you love. Reach out to them. But if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. We're always here for you. We love you, and we want to be that type of family. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll be back with you Wednesday. Have a great week, and may God bless you. There is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.